I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day, while snowed in at a cabin situated on the border between Pennsylvania and Maryland in the mountains, I noticed a large brownish figure sitting in the snow about 50 feet away from the cabin through the back window. It was a shocking sight for me as I had never seen a bear there before though I had heard stories about their presence in the area. I immediately rushed to get my mother to shore, and upon our return to the window, the creature stood up, not like a bear, but like a big, tall man. It then turned and walked away with huge strides, disappearing into the woods. My uncle, who was present, informed us that it was a squatch, a celebrity of sorts in the area. Although my uncle's comment may have been an attempt to lighten the mood, I was too scared to venture into the woods alone after that encounter. The frigid Alaskan night was draped in an icy silence as I embarked on my usual patrol through the desolate expanse of the National Forest. My breath hung in the air like ghostly tendrils as I navigated the winding snow, covered trails. The moon cast an ethereal glow, illuminating the landscape with a silver sheen that turned every snowflake into a glimmering gem. 
I had heard the whispers, the murmurs of strange sightings echoing through the wilderness like a haunting refrain. Bigfoot, they said, elusive giants wandering the depths of the forest, their existence shrouded in mystery. I scoffed at the stories, dismissing them as mere legends crafted by the imaginative minds of those who had spent too long beneath the northern lights. Yet that night, the veil between skepticism and belief would be irrevocably torn. The radio hummed softly as I drove through the darkened forest, the crackling static punctuating the solitude that enveloped me. The beam of my headlights cut through the darkness like a sword, revealing the silent sentinels of the woods, the towering trees that had witnessed countless tales of man and nature. Suddenly a chill crawled up my spine and a feeling of unease settled in the pit of my stomach. Something was amiss, though I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I shook my head, attributing it to the biting cold that gnawed at my bones. That's when I saw it. In the periphery of my vision, a figure moved among the trees. My heart skipped a beat as I swerved to a stop, my gaze fixed on the unearthly form before me. Towering and humanoid it stood with a hunched back posterior, its long limbs contorted in a grotesque dance with the shadows. I blinked, my eyes widening in disbelief, as I took in the details that defied explanation. Its head was an aberration, a grotesque nightmare carved from the depths of fear itself. Black eyes, devoid of any discernible emotion, bore into my soul with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. Its mouth stretched impossibly wide, twisted in an eternal scream, frozen in agony or defiance. I couldn't tell which. I slammed my foot on the gas pedal, the engine roaring to life as my heart pounded against my ribs. I couldn't comprehend the sight before me the amalgamation of terror and curiosity that clenched my mind in a vise. The creature's pallid form seemed anorexic, its skin stretched taut over its skeletal frame, an unsettling reminder of the harsh Alaskan winters. I was going about ninety miles per hour when I passed it, the snow flying in a flurry of white as my tires skidded along the icy terrain. Yet even at that speed, its image seared into my memory an indelible mark etched upon the canvas of my consciousness. As I hurtled forward, I stole a fleeting glance in the rearview mirror, half expecting the aberration to have disappeared into the shadows from whence it came. But there it stood, its twisted form untouched by time or distance. My heart raced, my thoughts careening like a runaway train. Could it be real? Was this the Bigfoot that had haunted the stories of these woods? Without a conscious thought, my foot pressed harder on the gas pedal. I needed to know, to see, to understand. My pursuit was relentless, a desperate attempt to bridge the gap between disbelief and reality. I veered around corners, the trees blurring into a monochromatic mosaic as the forest rushed past me in a whirlwind of motion. And then, as if the forest itself had swallowed them whole, they were gone. The cacophony of the pursuit was replaced by a haunting silence, broken only by the wind's mournful howl. My heart sank, and I brought the car to an abrupt halt, my breath heavy and labored in the frosty air. They had vanished into the snow-covered wilderness, leaving behind nothing but a lingering sense of dread and wonder. The truth, as inexplicable as it was, was etched into my mind like an ancient carving on stone. I had witnessed something beyond comprehension, something that shattered the boundaries of reality as I knew it. I gazed into the abyss of the forest, my eyes tracing the path that they had taken. I knew I couldn't follow, couldn't bridge the gap between my world and theirs. The park ranger and me, the skeptic who had scoffed at legends, had been replaced by a witness to the inexplicable. With a heavy sigh, I turned the car around my heart heavy with the weight of the unknown. The snow-covered landscape seemed to mock my futile pursuit, whispering secrets that danced just out of reach. As I drove away, I couldn't shake the feeling that the forest held more secrets than I could ever hope to uncover, secrets that would forever haunt the corners of my mind, a chilling reminder of that fateful night in the Alaska 
The crisp autumn air filled our lungs as my two friends and I ventured deep into the secluded beauty of the Grand Teton National Forest. Our mission was clear, to hunt pheasants and enjoy the thrill of the chase amidst the breathtaking landscape. Little did we know that our journey would soon take an inexplicable turn into the realm of the unknown. As we reached a clearing, we decided to split up to cover more ground. I set off alone, eager to spot some elusive pheasants. However, as I walked, a foul odor wafted through the air, making me wince. Intrigued, I followed the scent, my curiosity getting the better of me. As I ventured further, the forest seemed to grow eerier, shrouding everything in an almost mystical haze. And then I saw them, two peculiar figures standing amidst the trees. They were short, not more than 130 cam tall, and their eyes locked onto me with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. Their appearances were unlike anything I had ever seen before. Their faces bore a grayish-green, almost sickly pale complexion. The eyes were large and dark, devoid of any pupils which gave them an otherworldly quality. Thick-skinned folds covered their heads and bodies, adding to their bizarre countenance. One of them even had what appeared to be a thin beard, adding to the impression that they were elderly beings. As I stood there trying to make sense of what I was witnessing, a second humanoid emerged from the shadows. This one was shorter and looked younger, but both shared a striking resemblance to aged gnomes. I could hardly believe my eyes, and my mind struggled to process the sight before me. The creatures seemed to acknowledge my presence, and an unspoken understanding passed between us. There was no hostility in their gaze, but an aura of enigma surrounded them. Before I could react further, both figures floated back from the ground as if defying the laws of nature and disappeared into the forest. I was left standing there, heart pounding, mind reeling with questions and uncertainty. Did I just witness something supernatural? Were these beings from another dimension, or perhaps guardians of the forest itself? My rational mind tried to come up with logical explanations, but none could explain what I had seen. Determined to validate my experience, I raised my rifle and took aim at the vanishing figures. It was a reflex more than a conscious decision, a futile attempt to grasp some sense of control over the inexplicable. I pulled the trigger and the bullets tore through the air, passing right through the apparitions as if they were mere illusions. The creatures remained unaffected and they simply vanished deeper into the forest, leaving me in a state of bewildered awe. When my friends finally returned, eager to hear about my hunting success, I hesitated before sharing my encounter. I knew they would mock me, dismissing my story as a wild imagination fueled by some substance. And indeed, when I mustered the courage to tell them, they chuckled and shook their heads. Must have been some potent herbs out here, huh? One of them quipped. They didn't believe me, but that was okay. I couldn't blame them. I might not have believed myself if I hadn't experienced it firsthand. As we continued our hunting expedition, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something greater than us lurked in the depths of the Grand Teton National Forest. Those enigmatic beings resembling aged gnomes had left an indelible mark on my soul. Whether I had stumbled upon some ancient secret or encountered visitors from another realm, I may never know. One thing certain, though, the forest held mysteries that transcended human understanding, and they were waiting to be unraveled by those with an open mind and a brave heart. So, me, if I would rather not say my age, and uh, email also would not like to share their age, we're going on a walk with her dog, Henry. We weren't going far, only down a little trail in her backyard. On our way over to the trail, she informed me that a few people had been chased away from the trail and that last time she went down the trail with her brother, L. They found an active, still-going, campfire, and didn't know who it belonged to. She also informed me that if Henry started barking, we needed to run as fast as we could back no matter what. 
and also that if we saw anything that could be related to a human being there, we need to run to her grandma's house or back to her house. Also, while I'm writing this, she's telling me that there has been D-dealers and other potentially dangerous people in those woods who ran into her yard and got arrested. I don't even know why we went, but we did. As we were walking down the trail, Henry was sniffing more than usual. We didn't think of it because the breed of dog he is. Well, Mariner was bred for hunting and sniff a lot, so we kept going. About halfway through the trail, I told her I heard knocking, but she said it was Henry sniffing. I pressed on and said it was definitely knocking, and she didn't believe me. We continued on, even though I really didn't want to. I never told her because I was stupid and we were approaching her grandma's house, which was where we were going the whole time. As soon as we stepped off the trail, and I thought we were safe. Beep, beep. My heart sank, and she ran. I followed, but I'm the least athletic person on planet Earth, so I couldn't keep up. She ran and hid, and I followed. She said I've heard that noise before, deep, deep in the woods. I don't know what it is. I was freaking out on the inside, but was silent on the outside. I really didn't know what to do. M said on the count of three, we run. I nodded. One, two, three, and we ran. I was so tired it wasn't even funny, and then she said, Take Henry's leash. He'll protect you. I'm faster than you. And remember, keep running until we are at my house. So I took the leash and ran. When we got to her house, we kind of calmed down, and then I wrote this. This all happened today. Edit. We also saw a white figure on the way back to her house. My parents live on an island that is about 50 years behind in every conceivable way, but they like being on the water so fine. For a couple of years after college, I lived with them. I admit that even though it was the ass end of nowhere, it could be incredibly beautiful. I miss the stars. One night a neighbor around the corner asked if I could keep an eye on her kids. I was there a couple of hours and then I walked home. It wasn't far. A straight shot is maybe 500 feet. But I stepped onto the gravel road and it was like everything just got swallowed by black. No lights across the water, no stars, no moon. I got lost. Five hundred feet from my door, and I couldn't figure out where I was walking. I really don't know what happened. It wasn't foggy, definitely overcast. This was a small neighborhood with nothing around it, but the few houses were pretty densely packed together. In the spring-summer, fall people generally don't put house lights on because they attract the shit-ton of insects that exist purely to invade your house. So that didn't help either. Eventually, I bumped into the fence our neighbor across the street had at the front of his driveway, and I just sort of fumbled my way home from there. I grew up in Ohio, but decided to go to Colorado for college. For the first two summers of undergrad, I would come home for the summer. My dad would fly out from Ohio, and he and I would drive my car home together from Colorado. We'd usually camp in KOA, Campgrounds of America, campgrounds along the way, which are usually very crowded. One night we were tired from driving and decided to stay at a COA in Lawrence, Kansas. For whatever reason, there weren't a ton of people, especially in the section where tents were allowed. The section where you could put up tents backed up to a chain-link fence that was about eight feet high, and on the other side of the fence was cornfields for a ways. We set up our tent and went to grab some dinner, then came back to the campground. Each had a beer, and then went to sleep. Sometime much later that night, I woke up and had to pee. I put on my shoes and found my flashlight. I unzipped the tent and made my way to the bathhouse. On the way back from the bathhouse, I heard a weird sound coming towards me at an alarming speed. By the time I could piece together that the sound was someone running, a man in a hoodie ran in front of my path. About five feet from me, me at a sprint, scaled the chain-link fence and ran out into the cornfield in the darkness. I suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe, and then it occurred to me that I'd better book it back to the tent ASAP.
I checked my watch, and it was around 3.30 a.m. I did everything I could to convince myself that it was just some drunk kid messing around in the campground so that I could get back to sleep. It probably was just that, but I've still never seen anyone scale a fence so quickly to this day. It was unreal. The woods by where my father grew up have an old abandoned house or houses, I should say, scattered throughout the woods. I'm from the Hudson Valley. Anyone from that area knows the woods there. Have old houses, or at least the foundations remaining. Anyway, when my father was younger, he and everyone else basically would climb up this mountain to an abandoned house. He said it had an old black and white nudes, but a lot of kids would go up to smoke and hang out, so a lot of the things were just smashed. Part of the trip up the mountain basically involved climbing up a cliff, blanking on proper term, just a flat rock surface that you had to scale. This was also his usual way down. So one night he went up alone and was working his way down. Night was settling in, and as he was lowering himself down the drop-off, he felt had an odd presence and glanced upwards towards where he was just standing. Basically what he saw was a quick glance because whatever it was just made him climb down the mountain and run home. He described it as basically very tall, lumbering above him and covered in hair. It wasn't a bear, at least from the glance he got. Normally you'd take things to your parents and tell you have some doubt. But after a recent trip to his mother's and her sharing some of his stories that he told, it just made it more believable. There's also that hole you'll see what you want to see, so who knows? I'm terrified of heavily wooded areas, to be honest. I was on a four-day canoeing trip with friends in a remote part of the southeast United States back when I was a young teen. We were up late Delta Bonfire and goofed off as young boys do. I'm sure we were making a lot of noise. Eventually, the fire died down to just coals, and we just sat around it talking. When we heard a distant high-pitched scream, it freaked us out for a little bit, but eventually we forgot about it and went back to talking. A while later, one of my friends pointed to the opposite bank of the river and says, Guys, what is that? We looked and standing there in the trees was a huge silhouette of some figure watching us. It was faint, but it was illuminated by the full moon, and it was huge. We just kind of stared at it in shock for a moment before backing away. We went to get our friend's dad and some flashlights. He was intent on showing us that nothing was there. We got back to the spot, and it was still there, so we shined our flashlights on it, but it wasn't enough to get a better look. But the things I shone red with the reflection of our flashlights. We watched it watching us for a bit, and it walked up along an embankment and then walked back and disappeared into the woods. That was more than a decade ago, and we rarely talked about it. We were all pretty freaked out. This encounter has been on my mind for some time, and I'm looking for some answers or information. I just didn't know where to post and who to ask for help. I was 18 when this happened. I and my older cousin, who was 19 at the time, were coming back from a family party, so our spirits were high even though it was 2 in the morning. On our route home, there is a very long road that is quite wide, and on both sides, there are tall trees. Not something you'd call a forest, but dense enough it creates darkness on each side. However, on the left side, there is a thin strip of sidewalk, and on the right. The sidewalk is wider, so wide you could probably drive down it. We were just having a heart-to-heart talking about various things like traveling. Our family generally what we want our future to be like. We weren't driving fast at all because we didn't really want to go home. I caught something out of the corner of my eye. Not knowing what it was, I turned to look out my window, but I couldn't see anything. In my gut, I felt something was off, and a wave of sadness came over me for no specific reason. I just felt like crying. I was about to ask my cousin if he was all right, but when I looked up, I saw a figure run from the left side of the sidewalk to the right. 
It scared me so much because I'd never seen anything like this before. It looked almost like a human, but I knew it couldn't be as it was extremely tall and so skinny, and its arms were long and looked to be thin. My cousin slammed on the brakes, and I knew that what I just saw, he saw too. Wanting to know what it was, I looked to the right side, and I was utterly confused. A man on the right sidewalk was sitting there next to his bike. He looked at us and smiled. He was wearing cycling gear, and his bike was on the ground. I was shocked and confused. Why would he be cycling at two in the morning? I crawled over the console and leaned over my cousin so my face was right up to the window. I stared at the man as he smiled back at me, but his smile had changed. It was so wide and toothy. He looked kind of normal, but so out of place. As I examined him more, I noticed he only had one ear, and where it should be was totally flat, but everything else was just what you'd expect a human to look like. The man stood up, and my cousin pulled me away from the window and back into my seat. He drove off so fast I didn't even have time to look through the mirrors to look back at the man. I tried to talk to my cousin about it that night and various other times, but he just snaps at me telling me to drop that topic and never to bring it up around him again. I know what I saw, but at the same time I have no clue what it is. I was leaving a spot in the woods where I'd take my dog for long walks, as it was quite well into dusk. I like dusk and stay for the brighter part intentionally, and when driving back I saw what I initially thought was a coyote in the middle of the road. That turned out to be a domestic dog, as I got close enough to see more than its vague outline. It barked at my car a few times and my dog growled in response. Then I got out to go, maybe get a phone number from this dog's collar. As I approached the dog, it spun around and giggled like a schoolgirl. Weirdest dog noise I've ever heard. But my dog still surprises me with new ones every so often. So I wasn't really spooked by it. It started trotting into the woods, periodically looking back to make sure I was following. At this point, it's fairly dark. Too dark to make out faces from more than ten meters away or so. The dog leads me to a dilapidated house in a part of the woods that looked more like part of the park. I was in rather than a lot. I knocked on the door to tell these people that their dog is loose and standing in the middle of roads. And who answered the door was the least human-looking old woman I have ever seen. She quickly becomes the dog inside with a hissy whistle, then asked me with a shocked expression on her face, What am I doing at her door? I was immediately overcome with the smell of metal and rot. Smelled like somebody was deep-frying roadkill in molten copper. Her skin was a pasty gray. Her nose was big, long, and broken. Her mouth was absurdly wide. Her hair was long, thin, black, and patchy, and she didn't have those little fleshy bits that normal people have in the corners of their eyes. She seemed very angry with my presence and I stuttered out my answer that I was following what seemed to be her dog, because it was standing in the middle of the road. Her face relaxed, momentarily seeming pleased with this response, then twisted into the face one puts on in front of some mischievous idea. She opens her mouth to say something, revealing a wide row of dog-like teeth. But I cut her off, exclaiming how late it was, and that I should get back to my dog who was still in the car. Her mouth closed, her brow furrowed, then she shut the door in my face. I left to ponder this strange experience on the drive home. I later returned during the day and did not find any signs of the woman or the dog or of any activity in that old house whatsoever. Probably this is the strangest experience I've ever had that I can say for sure was not a hallucination. My hunting partner and I had ventured into the backcountry for a few days of hunting, hoping to bag some big game. We had set up our tent in a remote location, feeling confident and secure in our abilities as experienced outdoorsmen. In the middle of the night, we were suddenly awakened by a series of guttural screams echoing through the darkness. The sounds were unlike anything we had ever heard before, and they sent shivers down our spines. 
As two grown alpha males, we decided to investigate the source of the noise. Unfortunately, our guns were in the truck, and we didn't have any sidearms with us. Undeterred, we cautiously exited the tent, determined to face whatever was making the terrifying sound. But as we stepped out, a rock came hurtling towards us, narrowly missing our heads. Forced back into the tent by a barrage of rocks the size of our heads, we found ourselves trapped and terrified. The screaming continued throughout the night, accompanied by the relentless assault of rocks against our tent. As dawn approached, a terrible smell filled the air, and we had been kept awake all night by the ongoing chaos. When the first light finally broke through the darkness, we dared to peek outside the tent, and that's when we saw it. A large, dark, hairy shape towering over the landscape. It had been the source of the screams, the smell, and the rocks that had pinned us down all night. In that moment, we knew we were staring at the Bigfoot. We wasted no time packing up our camp and leaving the area, shaken by the realization that we had come face to face with a creature that many people believed to be a myth. I knew my friend was neither a liar nor a coward, and we both agreed that we had encountered something extraordinary. Since that fateful trip, we have never returned to that location, but the memory of that encounter remains etched in our minds, a reminder that there are still mysteries and undiscovered creatures lurking in the shadows of the wild, waiting for the moment when the veil between the known and the unknown is lifted. Between 2004 and 2006, I worked at a large format movie theater located in a large outdoor mall in a coastal city in South Carolina. Unlike other theaters, we only showed specialty films made specifically for a larger format. Mostly nature documentaries or short films that worked well on a 10-story tall movie screen. Since there was only one screen... We had only one projector in the projection booth, and there was only one entrance to the booth. I need to give a quick layout of the building. You entered through the front doors, and immediately to your right was the ticket counter, and behind that was our office that had the safe inside it. Straight ahead of the front doors was a large staircase that led upstairs to the theater entrance and concession stand. To the left of the front door was a set of doors that led to a gift shop and a hallway that led to an exit as well as another door to the theater that only opened from inside the theater. So after the film ended, people would exit downstairs through the gift shop. There was also another exit from the theater on the opposite side. You enter the front door, purchase your ticket, walk upstairs, take it, walk upstairs, take the elevator if you're disabled. The usher takes your ticket and you enter the theater at the entrance to your right or left, then exit downstairs unless, of course, you are dabbled. There is one other stairwell that led to the projection booth. You could access this stairwell from two doors, one on the first floor, the other on the second. And to enter the booth, you needed a key. I was the usher on duty that night. It was after the tourist season was over, so there wasn't a need for many staff members. I took the last ticket, and as soon as the film started, I began cleaning and preparing for the next day. The film ends, and I make sure all of the customer exit, and then I clean up all the spilled drinks and popcorn. Then I turn off the theater lights and go sit in the office behind the ticket counter. My manager on duty was finishing counting down the safe, and when he finished, we could leave. He closed the safe and was about to enter the code to set the security system when we heard a very loud thud above us. We looked at each other and sighed. I thought maybe something fell over in the concession stand. We made our way upstairs and long story short, we checked everywhere. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Where? Behind the concession stand, all the stairwells, both hallways, the elevator, and even the projection booth. Nothing had fallen over, and no one was there that we could find. The last place we checked was the theater itself. We each entered the theater from the two entrances on the second floor. We turned on the lights and looked in the theater. We met at the bottom of the stadium-style seating and were about to head out thinking the noise must have come from outside. That's when I happened to glance up at the projection booth. I will never forget what I saw. Looking down at us was the outline of a person. I could not make out any features, but there was someone or something up there. I just stared for a moment until my manager looked up as well. As soon as he saw it, he started running up the stairs to get to the projection booth. He was a lot taller and skinnier than I was, and he made it there really quickly. I managed to catch up, and there was no one there. There was one way in and one way out of the booth, and you had to have a key to get in. I still get chills thinking back. My S.O. lives in a rather old house in the top floor where his bedroom is used to be part of the attic. We and his dog were aware of the ghost of a little girl, but she was harmless. She mostly appeared to look at the dog. Other than that, we noticed that the room next to the bedroom was always freezing, and in the bedroom itself there was sometimes an awful smell, a rotting corpse smell. I used to think there was an evil presence, and we'd burn sage and try to banish it. One night, we were watching television in bed, and the smell reappeared. Worse than ever, I got pissed off and told the presence in no uncertain terms to go away. But for some reason, I said, unless you're the little girl and you've been murdered and buried in the wall somewhere, there was a bang against the door. My S.O. and I nearly jumped out of our skins, got chills down our backs, and we legged it downstairs. We heard more banging from upstairs, and I decided to try communicating with it. I asked if it was indeed the little girl, and there was a bang in response. I asked if she'd been murdered, and again got a bang in response. I asked how, and I suddenly got a stroboscopic-style vision of an adult man striking the girl in anger her head hitting the corner of the wall, and her little body crumpling down on the floor. I asked her about what I saw and was answered each time by a bang. We figured out that the weird concrete block at the end of the garden, half hidden by brambles, might have been her final resting place as whomever killed her was covering up the evidence. Then I tried to reassure her to move on. There would be good people waiting for her there. This took a good fifteen minutes. There was a final bang and then silence. We went back to the bedroom, and the smell was gone. It never reappeared. The cold room next to the bedroom wasn't ever unnaturally cold again, either. The whole thing was terrifying, but came to a good conclusion in the end. I'm Steve Williams, a police officer from a small town in Oregon. On July 9th, I decided to spend my day off exploring the area east of the Malala River. I had always been fascinated by the legends and mysteries surrounding Bigfoot, and I couldn't help but indulge in my curiosity whenever I had some free time. I drove out to Table Rock Road, about 10 miles from the Bee Ranch campground, an area where I had once before found possible Bigfoot tracks. The dense forest and the isolation of the place made it a perfect spot for such a creature to hide, and I was eager to find more evidence. As I walked along the side of the road, I noticed a series of young alder trees broken at around eight to ten feet up. The brakes were fresh, and there were quite a few of them going downhill along the side of the road. The broken ends were left dangling, and the damage couldn't have been caused by winter snow. My heart raced as I followed the trail of broken trees downhill. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was onto something big, something that could potentially prove the existence of the elusive Bigfoot. The further I went, the more broken trees I found. 
each one increasing my excitement and anticipation. As I continued deeper into the forest, I came across a small clearing where the ground was covered in what appeared to be footprints. They were large and had a distinct shape that couldn't be mistaken for any known animal in the area. I took out my camera and started documenting the scene, making sure to capture every detail. Suddenly, I heard a rustling in the bushes behind me. My heart leaped into my throat as I spun around, my hand instinctively reaching for my sidearm. A large, shadowy figure emerged from the foliage, standing at least eight feet tall and covered in thick, matted hair. I couldn't believe my eyes. There, standing only a few yards away from me, was the creature I'd been searching for all these years. Bigfoot. It stared at me with curious, intelligent eyes, and for a moment, I felt a connection with this legendary being. As quickly as it had appeared, the creature turned and sprinted back into the forest its powerful limbs propelling it effortlessly through the underbrush. I tried to follow, but it was no use. The creature was far too fast, and I soon lost sight of it. I returned to the broken trees and footprints, still in awe of what I had just witnessed. I knew that many people would doubt my story, but I had the evidence to back it up. I gathered the broken tree branches and took more photos of the footprints before making my way back to my vehicle. That day changed my life forever. I had seen the legendary Bigfoot with my own eyes, and I knew that I could no longer dismiss the countless stories and encounters that people had shared over the years. I became a dedicated Bigfoot researcher, using my skills as a police officer to investigate sightings and gather evidence. My encounter with Bigfoot on that fateful day will always be a vivid memory, and my search for the truth will never end. It all happened when I was just a kid, barely four or five years old. My parents had taken me on an archery hunting trip in the dense forests of Northern California, almost touching the Oregon border. We had set up camp, and the excitement of the wilderness filled my young heart. One sunny day, my parents were busy preparing for the day's hunt. With my little longbow in hand, I decided to explore the area surrounding our camp. I wandered around, absorbed in the beauty of nature, feeling like a little adventurer. As I meandered deeper into the woods, a strange and inexplicable feeling began to creep over me. It was as if I could sense something was not quite right. My heart started to pound in my chest, and a wave of dread washed over me. It was a feeling that I couldn't quite comprehend at that age, but the intensity of the fear was enough to make me drop my longbow and start running back towards the safety of our camper. As I sprinted back to the camp, tears streaming down my face, I caught a glimpse of something that would haunt me for years to come. A large canine-like creature stood on two legs, watching me from a distance. It was a dogman, a creature I had only heard of in stories told around the campfire. Its piercing eyes seemed to follow me as I desperately tried to put some distance between us. I burst into the camp, panting and crying, and my, my parents immediately rushed to my side. I tried my best to explain the fear that had gripped me in the strange creature I had seen. They listened with concern and did their best to reassure me that it was likely just my imagination or a trick of the light. As the years went by... That terrifying memory remained etched in my mind. I could never shake the feeling that what I had seen that day was real. The dogman, with its menacing gaze, had left a lasting impression on my young mind. Now, as an adult, I look back at that experience with a mixture of fear and fascination. I've heard countless stories of dogman sightings and encounters, and I can't help but wonder if what I saw that day was truly one of those elusive creatures. Whatever it was, the encounter has left me with a healthy respect for the unknown and the mysteries that still exist in the depths of the wilderness. Spring turkey season. Weather is absolutely perfect. While at work that afternoon, I decided that the moment I get off work, I'm making the hour drive to the farm, I hunt and going to camp in the bed of my truck under the stars and enjoy the night before hunting the next morning. 
I run home immediately after work, grab my sleeping bag, turkey gear, pack a cooler, and get on the road. It's every bit of 10.45 p.m. at this point. I'm tired, but don't care. I'm driving windows down, enjoying the night drive through rural Kentucky. I arrive to the farm about midnight. I drive down the tree line a bit and pull off in the middle of the field to get an unobstructed view of the magnificent starts without presence of a moon. I hope in the bed of the truck and get nestled in my bag while sleeping under the stars. I'm instantly awakened, heart pounding out of my chest by what felt like someone or something was jumping up and down on the bumper or climbing over the tailgate to get. I mean whole truck shaking and rocking. I lay there frozen in fear, mind racing thinking old Squatch is in the bed of the truck with me coming to get me. I lay there a few eternities and become brave enough to stick my head out of the bag and above the bed of the truck. Nothing around! I get a phone call from my mom. It's like 2.30 in the morning, very odd. Hello? Holy cow, did you just feel that earthquake? <laughs> earthquake? Yes, earthquake. Just rattled the whole neighborhood. So now I know what an earthquake feels like in the middle of field in the bed of a truck. I had a scary experience in the woods I'll share. It wasn't creepy or spooky, but it definitely got my adrenaline flowing. My then wife and I were camping with our nine-month baby out in the Mendocino National Forest, California, at Howard Meadows near Howard Lake. The first night we camped, there was another group at the Choice Campsite, so we took another that had shade. We sent our tent up on a nice flat that happened to have a game trail going through it. That night I woke up to the sound of footsteps in the night. Whatever it was had some weight to it, so I was listening with interest. All of a sudden, whatever it was decided to go for it, and bolted right by the tent at a gallop. I sat and laughed, realizing that we blocked some large deer's path. It sounded like it could have been an elk, but I don't think there were any of those around there then. The next day, the other group left, and so we picked up our tent and moved to the choice site for our second night. We had a nice time that evening, and I put down enough beers to sleep soundly, apparently. In the middle of the night, my wife wakes me up and says there's something barking outside the tent. I didn't think much of it and told her it was probably coyotes howling at the moon. I was just about back to sleep when I heard the sound of an animal that had to be right outside the tent. It was sort of a barking sound, but my immediate thought was cat. I'd never heard a cat make a sound like that, but I was sure there was a mountain lion right outside our tent. I immediately sat up wide awake, grabbed my hunting knife and mag light, and prepared for a claw to come through the wall of the tent, while cussing myself for leaving my pistol home. I sat there and listened intently for a few minutes and didn't hear a sound except the blood pumping in my ears. I was convinced that the cat, or whatever it was, hadn't moved off or I would have heard it. So I shined the light through the screen top portion of the dome tent all around, but didn't see anything. So then I unzipped the door and stuck my head out, maybe not the best decision, and shined the light to look around. Just as I shined the light towards the road that led to the lake, I saw the hand end and long tail of a mountain lion going over a little rise in the road on its way to the lake. I don't think I slept much the rest of the night. The next morning we heard the same barking cat sound down at the lake and some splashing and the ducks making a ruckus. I figured it was trying to catch a duck. It was weird lion behavior. It was the smallest of the five lions I've seen in person, and my impression at the time was that it was perhaps a young lion whose mama had just given it the boot. It didn't seem like it really knew what it was doing. I'd always been fascinated by the wilderness of Oregon, and the Saddle Mountain area had always been on my list of places to visit. So, when I had the opportunity to go on a hiking trip there in early June, I jumped at the chance. The scenery was breathtaking, and the fresh air was invigorating. I was having the time of my life, enjoying every moment of my hike. But then I heard something that made me freeze in my tracks. Three loud yells. At first I tried to brush it off, telling myself that it was just some other hikers having fun. 
but something about the yells didn't seem quite right. They sounded too distant, too animalistic. I started to feel uneasy, but I tried to keep moving forward. I was in a beautiful place, after all, and I didn't want to let my imagination get the best of me. But then I heard the yells again, and they sounded closer this time. My heart started to race, and I could feel my palms getting sweaty. I started to wonder if I was in danger. I decided to turn back and head towards the trailhead. As I made my way down the mountain, I kept hearing the yells growing louder and more frequent. It was like something was following me. When I finally made it back to the trailhead, I was exhausted and scared. I didn't know what to make of what I had heard. But one thing was for sure. I wouldn't be going back to the Saddle Mountain area any time soon. To this day, I don't know what made those yells. But I know that they were real and they were terrifying. And I will always remember that hike is one of the most unsettling experiences of my life. I dated a girl in high school from 10th grade through most of my freshman year of college. Then we broke up. While I was dating her, I'd drive to her house almost daily during the couple years where I could drive, and she hadn't yet gone away to college. And there was this one odd back road by my high school I'd always take to her house, or to my high school. I'd never have any occasion to use that road if I wasn't going to either of those places. So on that road, there was a house, and outside it was always parked a Mazda mid-size, the same model, within a year or two, and color as my girlfriend drove. It looked just like her car, just without any bumper sticker. It became just like a visual cue for me while I was memorizing my drive home. You know, like, okay, I make a left at the light, then I see the car that looks just like girlfriends. Then I make a quick right. So her and I broke up like two years ago now. I have a new girlfriend going on like nine months, and it's been great and I haven't used that road since my ex and I split up. Recently, I decided to transfer away from my college. My ex also happened to transfer here right after I decided to leave when I get the F out. She's totally gonna think it's because of her. I had to go to my high school and get a copy of my transcript to mail to the school I'm applying to. On my way home from my high school, I had to use that weird back road I hadn't used in a couple years. As I'm driving down it, I see, right in front of the house that always had a car that looked just like my ex's parked out front. A late 90s maroon Nissan Altima, beat to shit. That is exactly what my current girlfriend drives. Weird shit, man. I worked in the university library for about a year. It was built in the 70s. Aside from some cosmetic changes here and there, it hadn't really changed that much. There was the ground floor, two floors above it, that had lots of windows, and two floors beneath that just had solid walls. We joked about it being haunted, but I never took it too seriously. At the end of every night, we would pair off and go make sure there was no one studying or hiding on any of the floors before the library closed. The basement was the creepiest floor by far. I stepped off the elevator during an evening search and saw a table full of kids studying in silence. They were dressed normally and I can still picture in my mind the back of a man's head full of brown hair. I turned to my co-worker and asked her if she would come with me to tell the study group to leave. She asked who I was talking about, and when I turned around, there was a big empty table in front of me. Of course, I was probably tired from a combination of studying and late work hours. Fair enough. A couple months later, I was on the second floor. It was a very sunny day, not creepy in the slightest. I was putting books back up in the stacks when I saw the bouncing back of someone's head, walking a couple stacks down. The little voice of intuition that seems to grab control from time to time told me to follow the person. I saw the back of their head leave the walkway between the stacks and enter the main aisle. I took a couple steps down to where I could see everything, and there was no one there. I walked up and down all the stacks, checked the study rooms, which were all dark and locked, and finally took a short break, feeling crazy. It was a small enough area. 
that I was able to check it all very quickly. Whoever or whatever I saw had vanished into thin air. So I don't know. I'm not really a believer in the paranormal. I think every bizarre thing that happens has a rational explanation. Problem is, I also don't think we're privy to those explanations. I've had bizarre things happen to me all my life, and so have my parents, who are also skeptical. I don't know. It's a big weird world. I know that. I can still remember the sunlight filtering through the curtains as I stirred from my nap. At four years old, the world was a fascinating place, filled with mysteries and wonders. That day, I was about to discover one of the many secrets that life had to offer. As I rubbed my sleepy eyes, I heard someone calling the name Dolly in the house. The voice was unfamiliar, yet soothing, and I felt compelled to find out who it was. I stumbled out of my room. Bleary, I had and found my mom in the kitchen, the only other person at home. Mom, why are you calling out the name Dolly? I asked my curiosity, Pete. She looked at me with a mix of surprise and understanding before she shared a story that would stay with me for years to come. My mom explained that the couple who had lived in our house before us were older, and the man had passed away. His wife's name was Dolly. She told me that she had experienced similar occurrences since we moved into the house, but assured me that there was nothing to worry about. Years passed, and the memory of that day remained tucked away in the back of my mind. It wasn't until one fateful day, when my friend and I were wandering around the town's graveyard, that the story resurfaced. In our small town, there wasn't much to do, and the graveyard was a quiet place where we could escape the boredom of everyday life. As we walked among the tombstones, I happened to find the graves of the couple my mom had told me about so long ago. Dolly had passed away more recently in 1998 and was buried next to her husband, who had passed in the early 90s. Seeing their names etched into the cold stone sent a shiver down my spine. The story my mom had shared with me years ago was now undeniably real. That day, as I stood before the graves of Dolly and her husband, I felt an inexplicable connection to them. They were strangers, yet somehow I felt as if I had known them all my life. The whispers of their presence in our home were a gentle reminder that the world was so much more mysterious and wonderful than I could have ever imagined. As my friend and I left the graveyard, I felt a renewed sense of wonder and curiosity about the world around me. I knew that there would always be mysteries to uncover and that the spirits of the past could still touch our lives in the most unexpected ways. I'm Peter, a wildlife biologist, and I've been studying the Bigfoot phenomenon for years. I've always been fascinated by these creatures, and I've spent countless hours researching and investigating sightings all over the country. One summer evening, I received a call from two young men who claimed to have seen a group of Bigfoot moving along a ridge near the outskirts of town. They were both very excited and insisted that I come out to see for myself. I decided to bring my friend Todd, a local police officer, with me for backup. We arrived at the site just before sunset and immediately set up our equipment. Using our binoculars, we scanned the ridge looking for any sign of the creatures. After a few minutes, we spotted them. Seven Bigfoot were moving between the trees and we could see their individual faces. We were absolutely positive about what we were seeing. Todd and I combed the ridge for several hours, but we were unable to find any sign that the creatures had passed. The partially frozen ground had tracks of other creatures, elk, deer, and coyote, but nothing that could be attributed to the Bigfoot. As we packed up our gear and prepared to leave, I couldn't help but feel a sense of disappointment. I had hoped to get some concrete evidence of these elusive creatures, but it seemed like they had vanished into thin air. Maybe this was one for the Bigfoot from another dimension crowd, I thought to myself. I didn't know what to believe anymore. That Friday night, cryptid investigator visited the site and stayed until 5 a.m., recording only owl noises. It seemed like the Bigfoot had disappeared without a trace. 
leaving us with more questions than answers. I come from Phoenix, Arizona. I haven't traveled to many places during my life, but I was born, raised, and schooled there. Since I didn't want a boring city job, but I didn't feel like moving either, I signed up to be a ranger in the Tonto National Forest. The job wasn't easy or fun all the time, but at least I didn't have to sit in a crowded office all day. I loved my job for the most time, up until a crazy night that I won't forget. I was working my third shift, starting late in the evening. While doing the first tour, it was still fairly light outside. There wasn't a whole lot to see. Many people had already gone home, and the rest were well on their way. I finished the tour, headed back to my station, and time flew by quickly. I was already getting prepared to do the second and longest tour of my shift. I had to walk about four miles down a rocky road all the way to the Theodore Roosevelt Lake. The walk down was quite easy and very quiet. I reached the lake in less than one hour. I was a bit tired from walking, so I sat by the lake to try and get some rest. The first thing I heard was a splash. It sounded like a very large fish dumping out, falling back into the water. Shortly after that, there was another, but this one was closer and louder. It sounded far too big for a fish. I got startled a little bit, so I stood up and began slowly backing away from the lake. The thing in the water began to speed up as well, and I could see something was waving its tail towards the shore. Still walking backward, I was focused to see what will emerge from the water, and the first thing I saw was a mouth, a huge mouth and a long one with many teeth slowly creeping off from the lake. I moved faster back up the hill, turning my head to see what was behind me. After a few steps, when I turned my head, I realized the creature was already running towards me at full speed, looking somehow crocodilian. Its legs were short, but having huge claws on its feet. It resembled the famous bear-lick monster. I was terrified. Even though it was short, it was moving and closing the distance between us. My instincts kicked in, and I managed to pull myself up quite high on one of the pine trees. I stayed up there for a whole seven hours while this thing waited for me to come down. Only when the sun had come up had it disappeared. I finally got off the tree and sprinted the full four miles to the station. They sent over divers and some police, but they didn't take what I had reported too seriously. I still worked there, but I refused to go near that side of the forest, and trust me, I get crap for it all the time from my buddies. I am a police officer, and I have been working in the area for quite some time now. I have heard a lot of strange stories and unexplainable sightings, but nothing quite like what Scott Sabring had reported to me. Three months ago, Scott received a report of a dogman sighting from the northwest Portland area. He didn't have any details at the time, but he promised to get them. The sighting had apparently taken place on Skyline Road, just west of the junction with Cornelius Pass Road. This area has had numerous sightings in the past, but this one was different. When Scott finally got the details, he found out that the sighting had been witnessed by a couple driving along Skyline Road at night. They reported seeing a large, hairy creature crossing the road in front of them. They described it as standing on two legs with long arms that swung as it moved. They were both so frightened that they didn't even stop to investigate. As a police officer, I couldn't ignore this report. I decided to investigate the area with Scott. We spent several hours combing the area, but we couldn't find any sign of the creature. The partially frozen ground had tracks of other animals, like elk, deer, and coyote, but nothing that resembled a dogman. Scott has been actively seeking dogman spoor in the area. The most recent discovery was just three weeks ago near Lostine, Oregon. He has built a blind and has been studying the area for weeks. He found tracks ranging from 19 to 9 inches in size, and he discovered that cutthroat trout were common in the area, as were cattail roots and willow shoot. At one place, we found a 3-inch limb that had been snapped. There were apparent finger marks still visible on the limb. It was a strange discovery, and we couldn't quite explain it. 
It seemed like something had been there and had used the limb as a tool. In the end, we didn't find any concrete evidence of dogmen, but the sightings and discoveries were enough to make us wonder what else was out there. I am a conductor for Union Pacific Railroad working pool freight from Portland, Oregon to Hermiston. We were traveling westbound on a train going around curves between Bonneville, Cascade Locks, and Dodson. As we came around a curve near milepost 36, I saw something dark between the rails. I said to the engineer, What is that? He then blew the whistle. Something tall and hairy with long arms got up and ran into the trees and brush. Its arms swung wildly when it ran. We looked into the spot where the animal went into cover but could not see it. Time was daybreak. We got a good look as we approached it about 15 rail car lengths. 